You are listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. Making EMR selection a business decision, to transfer or not to transfer. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm with Kevin Tolan Shepper, who has worked in the practice management field for nine years. He now leads the teams that implement and support Athena Health Clinical Software and Services offering called Athena Clinicals. As a member of the product team, he also is responsible for ensuring that the needs of clients around the country are heard and incorporated into the product. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you. Kevin, there's a lot of different solutions out there. There's a lot of different EMRs out there. Well, how do you actually see the EMR market currently? We've seen an array of business problems facing providers. Practice management systems alone can address them, and uh, that's a big reason that, that we're getting involved in the EMR market. But I'm referring to problems such as clinical administrative process management, rising costs, and protecting revenue. I'll elaborate on a few of those things. From a clinical process perspective, providers have to deal with mountains of paper documents to manage, accessing critical patient health history with relative ease, trying to track orders and make sure that their patients fulfill them, and deliver consistent and critical patient care. Our system is the largest database of payer rules and practice management metrics, and among our physicians, we've seen that uh, it typically takes 35% longer than a doctor would want for a woman over 35 to get a mammogram. So it's difficult for physicians to uh, take advantage of the information available to them with, with just a practice management system alone. Costs and revenue are a huge issue in the market today, and with malpractice costs going through the roof and physical space at uh, a premium, physicians can't afford to, to spend 15% of their practice space storing paper. Let's talk a little bit about what EMR's cost is. I mean, how much, how much does a typical EMR system cost, and what are the different types? There's a significant difference in, in costs and, uh, and, and functionality and, and sort of uh, the, the underlying philosophical purposes of different EMRs. But what we've seen is that most EMRs in the market are, uh, are extremely expensive, uh, particularly for smaller physician groups. Uh, if you think about it, they require intensive investment in on-site servers and uh, IT support and, um, and extreme expenses for professional services that are sold a la carte by, uh, by the vendors. So it typically turns out to be an absolutely unaffordable venture for small groups. So that's the, that's the server concept. That's right. So what are, what, what's the other type of EMR out there? Well, there are some EMRs like ours, like Athena Clinicals, which are not server-based and are ASP models that host all of the data and all of the, the hardware infrastructure remotely so that physicians, particularly small groups or solo practitioners, don't have to invest in that kind of, of technology. That significantly reduces the, the cost associated with the, the, the technology of the implementation so that providers are only left to, to, to deal with buying computers and Internet connections. I think that the other important aspect of cost with implementation is the actual um, uh, implementation fee that a, a vendor would charge a, a client. Many vendors have a lot of hidden costs that wind up costing physicians more money they could ever hope to earn back from the perceived benefits of those, those programs. And at the same time, those vendors aren't in a situation where they're invested in the practice of success. They're selling software. They're, selling, uh, they're living you know, on how many user licenses they can, they can sell. Our company is much more focused on the business results that providers uh, achieve. In fact, we don't get paid uh, if they don't succeed. So uh, our, our implementations are, 
are much more focused on helping providers achieve ROI. So, again, what kind of prices are we looking at? Uh, for a small group of doctors, let's say five doctors in practice, and they want to go with the traditional server-type EMR, what kind of what kind of user fees, what kind of upfront costs are they looking at? It could vary, but uh, with the traditional model, a, a group of five physicians could easily spend between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars just on the hardware and infrastructure alone, let alone ongoing support costs they have to pay to an IT vendor to to, to bring the server up every time it crashes. Oh. So it's a pretty significant expense. It seems like an antiquated model, the the server concept. It is. Can you talk a little bit more about the ASP model of EMRs? Absolutely. Similar to uh, other internet-based software, whether it's uh, Yahoo Mail or, or other uh, websites, uh, all of the information is stored here. It's, it's transferred efficiently over the internet and, uh, and also uh, very securely so that uh, providers don't have to develop a, 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 an expensive and difficult-to-maintain infrastructure uh, on-site. They can use the system from home. They can use it from the hospital. They can use it from satellite offices or remote clinics. All they need is an internet connection. So the, the system is much more portable than, uh, than some of the, the sort of more um, traditional uh, solutions. Kevin, what's been the EMR impact on doctors in the last nine years that you've seen? The impact on physicians has been quite variable. If you'll remember uh, several years ago in the State of Union address, uh, uh, the president uh, made it very clear that the intention uh, for this country was to move toward adopting EMRs across all physicians. And I believe he posited that in the next 10 years, uh, uh, most or all physicians would be using these types of, uh, of programs. I believe at the time that the adoption rate was just around 19% in the country. And, uh, and about a year later, once we were more heavily involved in this, the adoption rate had actually dipped to 18%. The results that providers are, are getting are clearly not uh, uh, leading toward other providers adopting or indeed even the same providers maintaining the, the EMRs they've implemented. And I think that the, the core of the problem is that uh, the, the, the vendors in the market are not actually solving a problem. It's, uh, it's sort of a situation of creating software for the sake of creating software. And, uh, and we see, as I said before, uh, so many different business problems that software alone can't solve. If you look at a practice that implements an EMR that costs them practically uh, an entire year's worth of their uh, their revenue, let's say it's a, a, a primary care physician in business on his own, it would take years for that provider to, to reap the benefits of, of a system. And, and these systems produce highly variable and unpredictable ROI. The return on investment, which many vendors focus on uh, uh, increased revenue or decreased cost, is just not provable. Most of them will have one or two stories of success, but for every one of those stories, there are, are dozens or hundreds that that uh, led to disaster. So we're seeing that providers don't see an obvious reason to do this short of legislation that would force them to do so. So we see a real opportunity to really find out what the problems are that physicians are facing in their clinical practices and address those through a combination of software, knowledge, and work. And the knowledge and work are differentiating aspects of what Athena Health does for its clients, both with revenue cycle management as well as clinical cycle management. Obviously, uh, adoption of EMRs is stagnant. And uh, do you see that in just the small doctor's office, or are you seeing it in larger hospitals and clinics? Is there an incentive for doctors to get an EMR when they're part of a large group? Will the large group pay for their EMR? 
It's definitely variable across group size. I think you see with larger institutions that the adoption rate is better uh, than with smaller private uh, entities. And the biggest reason I can see is, uh, is, is capital. Uh, the larger institutions are, are often funded or have the capital to make the kinds of investments that they need to. In turn, we've seen a lot of hospitals and institutions sort of offering to extend their implementations to some of their community physicians. But we feel that that's the absolute wrong decision for small practices to make because essentially what they're doing is trading control for a, a short-term gain. Again, though, they don't see a lot of solutions that are better than that because of the immense expense uh, of implementing EMRs that, that typically is presented to them. Right. If someone's offering me a free EMR versus a $100,000 EMR, I may take that complicated relationship with the hospital. It might be the lesser of two evils, but there are solutions that are not $100,000 that are much more affordable that can deliver a return on the investment a reasonable investment at that. So practices need to think very carefully before they take the, the free ticket to an EMR because there are lots of strings attached to those things. And most hospitals are not very good at managing private practices. They're, they're very different types of businesses. All right. So assuming a doctor has made the decision to adopt an EMR and he has decided that he wants to go with a certain ASP model instead of a server model, what else should he be considering before selecting a vendor? Above all, the first thing a provider should consider before um, even selecting a vendor is practice management. Implementing an EMR will surface and exacerbate any process issues that exist in the practice. And uh, we've seen that this can be a really unexpected source of stress for, for providers and staff and administrators. So um, I think that, that a practice should be confident that uh, that it is well-run and well-organized before um, endeavoring to, to implement an EMR. All right, so so let's say we've, we've accomplished that, we've looked at our workflows, we've gotten all of our inefficiencies out of the way, we're ready to go ahead with an EMR. What do we look at? The next thing you want to look at is the group of providers that you're working with. If it's a, if it's a multiple provider practice, uh, you want to make sure that all of the providers are, are invested in this implementation. Provider buy-in is very important because skeptics tend to encourage change to stagnate, and, and we've seen a lot of implementation slow down or even uh, uh, come to a halt because of that situation. If you've ever been part of a small group of physicians, you know that uh, if you put two physicians in a room, you'll get, you'll get three diagnoses. So <laughs> or it's 12. Very, right. It's very hard to get two or three doctors to agree on anything. So I think there's always a physician champion in a EMR adoption, and it seems like there's always a doctor who is just opposed to it and will go screaming to their death, uh, tooth and nails, uh, having to adopt to the EMR. So it sounds nice that you want everybody to be on board, but I, I don't know that that's realistic. Well, you make a good point, and, and it's definitely not realistic for every provider in a group practice to be the physician champion. And so um, I think that the, the, the more important thing to focus on is, uh, is there a willingness among the, the partners of the practice to take on the endeavor? And, and then you have to think about the kind of practice you have. If you do have the naysayer, if you do have the skeptic, you have to look at the solutions that the vendors are presenting you. Are they offering you something that's rigid where everyone has to uh, sort of adopt the same workflow and the same clinical philosophy to use the EMR? Uh, or, or do they offer a variety of different formats for executing the art and science of medicine. Our Athena Clinicals product offers a number of different ways for providers to 
um, document their services so that for those who uh, don't want to uh, introduce technology into their uh, doctor-patient interaction or for those who don't uh, feel comfortable with using a, a computer are able to use paper-based templates or other methods to uh, achieve the same level of documentation and clinical success that the other uh, members of the practice uh, are able to obtain from, from using the EMR. And um, that's pretty important to us because we don't want to pretend that every physician is just a clone of everyone else. Everyone has a different method of, of sort of executing the art part of, of medicine, and uh, it's important that, uh, that providers be able to, to be themselves uh, when treating their patients. Otherwise, we sort of take something away from them as human beings. So we try to offer a number of different ways for uh, practices to be successful. I want to thank our guest, Kevin Tolan Shepper. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You have been listening to The Business of Medicine on Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.